Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. That means we truly depend on you in order to bring this resource to you. If you don't already support us financially, you could do so. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons there. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Click on one of them and fill that out. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, January 14th, 2020. We got a Kong He update. It's been a while since we've done that, but it's been a while since we've done a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of uh, beep bopping in uh, Never mind. <laughs> I'm improving. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible and compare, compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is no shortage of crazy things being said out there, and we take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, <gasps> self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine, that's teaching, that is put forward for consumption by the average evangelical Far from biblical, far from what God's word says, and it's generally just a complete mess out there. Now, case in point, if you've spent any time in a word of faith church, um, and I'm using church really loosely here, a word of faith church or a um, charismatic NAR church, then you are familiar with a teaching that's not true. Yeah, have you ever heard somebody say, Oh, rhema, the word the word for word in, uh, there's several words for word in the Greek, but uh, two of them, uh, rhema and logos. A rhema word, whenever the word rhema appears in the New Testament, that means that it's referring to a direct revelation. If you've heard that, you, know, you need a rhema word. You know, that, that claim, you've been taught something completely false. That's not how Koine Greek works. When it comes to the word rhema versus logos, we'll demonstrate that on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. But what we're going to do in demonstrating that, we're going to head over to the podcast for City Harvest Church. Uh, that's Kong He's church. And uh, we, I got, we'll we make a note about uh, some weird things that have been happening in their podcast feed, especially in relation to, uh, to Kong He. His messages are still being played there. Not sure if they're recent or not. It's hard to tell. Uh, but uh, one thing's for sure, they're still featuring Kong He's uh, teachings when they shouldn't because they're false teachings. And this particular one is like 100% proof positive that he's not capable of as, as a teacher. And we'll be tackling this concept of Rhema versus Logos words and whether or not Rhema is referring always to a direct revelation. So with that, uh, let's get to it. Here's our Kong He City Harvest Church in Sun Ho Update music. Here we go. S U S. God woke desires deep down in my heart. Could the cold romantic make me a star? My husband, Pastor Kong, taught with A.R. Bernard. I could be a gospel if I worked real hard. Cause I'm married to Kongi, get your chip on me. I dance like a monkey while he throws money at me. All the church money at me. To finance my jingle, we get her to tingle from people like Pringle to sting all church pockets for me. Sting all church pockets for me. We're coming. 
So today what we're going to do to kind of prove this, we're going to be heading off to, uh, uh, what, what is the name of it? City Harvest Church. I almost forgot. I, yeah, I used to have a photographic memory. I still do, but the Polaroids are getting kind of fuzzy. We're heading off to City Harvest Church. We're going to be listening to Kong Hee and a message he delivered and where he makes this distinction. And what's really fascinating in this one is that not only does he not tell the truth about what Rhema and Lagos means. He flat out proves he doesn't know Greek at all, doesn't know what the biblical texts say in the original languages, and claims that God was telling him a direct revelation in regards to something that is in uh, Matthew chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, which when you go and you look at the Greek text, doesn't agree with him at all. Yeah, it's a mess. So let me whirl up the desktop here. We're heading over to the podcast for uh, uh, City Harvest Church in Singapore. And I'm going to note something that there's some funny business going on here. And and here's what I mean. It is that when you go to the podcast feed for City Harvest Church, and and I've gone back through their uh, podcast feed, we're going to be listening to uh, a portion of a podcast that was posted on the 26th of September, 2019. 
And you note that Kong, he is the one delivering the message. The name of the message is Meditation, the Guarantee to Victory. You see, you know, when I'm looking through and you know, looking for potential segments to talk about on, uh, on either the podcast or the YouTube channel, th- these are the types of names of sermons that really get my attention. But this particular one got my attention because of the date, 26th of September, 2019. Because I know something, and that is is that on the 22nd of August, let's see here, yep, 22nd of August, um, just a month earlier, a month and a couple of days earlier, Kong He was released from prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so I, I find that just kind of odd. It's just a little bit odd. In fact, let's take a look at the story so that you can see what I mean by a little bit odd. Uh, he, he, here's um, from the you know this, uh, from a news agency in Singapore. Here, here we go. The founder of City Harvest Church, Kong He, was released from prison today, a day before his 55th birthday. Kong did time for his role in misusing millions of dollars in church funds. Yeah, misusing millions of dollars, fifty million dollars in church funds in kind of two separate ways. Uh, Twenty-four million in order to underwrite uh, his wife secular music career mm-hmm. and then 26 million to cover up that he'd spent 24 million yeah not making that up they'll talk about that here in a second which kind of begs the question why on earth would city harvest church try to underwrite the secular music career of sun ho answer the reason is is that this was theologically driven yeah Aside from prophecies that were spoken over Kong He and Sun Ho by Phil Pringle, their apostolic leader, I would say he's probably their apostle. Uh, but on top of that, Sun Ho and Kong He bought into what's called the Seven Mountain Mandate, which is supposedly a direct revelation prophecy strategy given by God for how the church is going to conquer the world uh, and then usher in the return of Christ. One of the seven mountains that the church is supposed to take dominion over, if you've heard of dominionism, uh, is take dominion over what's called the entertainment mountain. And so Kang He and Sun Ho, by having Sun Ho launch into the secular music career, they were making their bid to take dominion over the entertainment mountain. Yeah, I'm not making that up. So anyway, so they diverted $50 million from the charitable given, giving given to City Harvest Church, $24 million to underwrite her career, her music career, $26 million to hide that fact. <laughs> what were they doing? <laughs> if you're going to spend $26 million to hide the fact that you'd lost $24 million or misspent $24 million, what did you spend the $26 million on exactly? Anyway... But uh, let's take a listen to a little bit more of the news story here. He was convicted in 2015 along with five other former church leaders. It was all smiles as a gaunt-looking Kong He stepped out of the gates of Changi Prison. Sentenced to three and a half years jail, the city harvest pastor was out after two years and four months. Inmates typically serve two-thirds of their sentences before being released on remission. The church also had a statement on its website informing its congregation of Pastor Kong's release. The statement also carried thanks from Kong, who was grateful for letters from followers. The church's board said Kong will be spending his immediate future with family, especially his elderly parents. The high-profile case saw former City Harvest Church leaders convicted of misusing $24 million in church-building funds. The money was mainly used to further the pop music career of Kong's wife, Ho Yao Sun. Ho is a co-founder of City Harvest Church. Another $26.6 million was misused to cover the initial amount. $50 million, Almost $51 million Singaporean dollars. Hi. So my question is, is that how does one do this and maintain the ability to still be considered a pastor of the church that he ripped off for $50 million. How does that happen? A free man now, Kong served the most time among the six convicted. 
the case remains the largest misuse of charitable funds in Singapore to date. <laughs> so largest misuse of charitable funds to date in Singaporean history and City Harvest Church is still playing Kong Hee sermons on their podcast. They Do they have no shame? Do they not understand that biblically a pastor must be above reproach? You know, his must be noted for his moral and upstanding life. The man was convicted of diverting 50 plus million dollars of charitable giving given to City Harvest Church to underwrite Sun Ho's music career and then spent 26 million to hide that fact. Yeah, so I I, I just note here that, you know, a, a month after, just a mere month after he gets out of prison, in their podcast feed, you have Kong Hee, Meditation, the Guarantee to Victory. But wait, it gets even better. On the 19th of September, less than a month, Kong Hee, The Anointing, Part 2. Oh, wait, there's more. Uh, the 12th of September, Kong Hee, The Eagle Christian, Part 2. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> my bad attempt. <laughs> Sounding like an eagle. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, there, there's more. Sun Ho, who clearly is complicit in all of this, she has a sermon in their podcast on the 6th of September. And then on the 29th, Kong Hee, 29th of August, seven days after he was released from prison. Oh, Phil, Phil Pringle showed up on the 27th of August. And then, well, well let's see, the 22nd of August, Kong Hee. Kong, oh, wait a second, I, uh, now I just messed it up. But I think you get the points. My question is, how is it possible that a man convicted, sent to prison, uh, convicted of illegally using charitable funds given to their church to underwrite Ho Sun's, you know, music career. How is it possible? How is it possible that anyone there is still listening to his sermons or that he would be reestablished as a teaching pastor at City Harvest? This, none of this makes any sense. So I, I'm going to note here, um, I, I, I think something weird's going on as far as the decisions that they're making as far as who should be pastoring City Harvest Church and who should be you know, preaching and teaching there, uh, even, even in abstentia. But we're going to note then, in this sermon delivered you know, just a month and a few days after, not delivered, but posted on the podcast, a month and a few days after Kang Hee got out of prison, that this sermon, I mean, definitively proves this man is a false teacher, and he's not hearing from God. Oh, yeah, it's that explosive. I mean, this sermon by itself shows that every time Kong he says, oh, God told me, or he revealed to me, or I heard in my heart, or whatever, he's flat out lying. You sit there and go, really? This sermon by itself? Oh, yeah. Not only does it do this by itself, it does it in the first few minutes. Because we're going to talk about Rhema, and we're going to talk about Lagos, and then we'll also debunk this idea that Rhema means direct revelation from God and that Lagos means written scripture. That's not That's not what that means at all. So with that, let's dive into a portion of the sermon. There is no video on it. We only have audio from it. So, again, the name of the message is Meditation, the Guarantee to Victory. And uh, here's Kong Hee. We'll let him kind of explain this theology. Here we go. You know, as a young man, I struggled with low self-esteem. I was very shy, uh, easily intimidated. I hated confrontation (laughs) until today. I know it's hard to believe. Some of you think that faster. Low self-esteem. You know, participation trophies for everybody solves that problem. Maybe because of my stature, because of my size. You think that I must be a very aggressive person. But the truth of the matter is, I'm actually quite a shy guy. And Shy guy. Talking about shy guy. Shy guy. Um, okay, who's he preaching about? He's preaching about himself. I don't like confrontation. So I struggled with low self-esteem, low self-image, low self-worth, for much of my growing up years. 
Now, that means the way I see myself, the way I feel about myself, the way I value myself, right? How you see your self-image, how you feel your self-esteem, how you uh, value yourself, your self-worth. So I knew this is not going to, to this, this cannot continue if I'm going to pastor and be who God wants me to be. So one day the Lord spoke to me. Okay, catch those words. One day the Lord spoke to me. So he's claiming that what comes next is via a direct communication that goes all the way up to the very top of the universe to God himself. Mm -hmm. So God spoke to me. Okay, so no, this is what follows then is part of a direct revelation from God. Out of Matthew chapter 13, from verse 20 to verse... All right, now I'm going to back this up for context. Now, the, the, I think we got to do this in 15-second increments. Apologize for the redundancy, but it's important to hear it in context. So I'll hit one click, listen again so that you can hear it in context. This is not going to... to this, this cannot continue if I'm going to pastor and... Be who God wants me to be. So one day the Lord spoke to me out of Matthew chapter 13 from verse 20 to verse 21. All right. So God spoke to him out of Matthew chapter 13, verses 20 to 21. That's weird. Because here, here's the deal. I, I, God talks to me every day through the word of God and by what it says and means in context. In fact, God has nothing to say to me unique that he isn't going to say to you as well. If you read the Bible in context and engage you know, using sound biblical exegetical methods, we're going to be hearing the same thing from God. And it's available to you, to me, to other pastors, everyone around the world. You, you see, we, we're all hearing the voice of God in the scriptures, but something weird going on. God told me Specific revelation directly from God. He was talking to me out of verses twenty and twenty-one. Yeah, it's a weird way of putting it. Weird, weird way of putting. It. So, so Kong, what did God exactly tell you from those verses before we get to it in and look at it in context? What did God tell you? But he who received the seed in stony places, this is he who hears the word. Now that. Word is rhema. That means the vision, the revelation. No, it's not. <laughs> God told you this? Oh, God told you. If God told you that, then God was lying to you. Because the word in Matthew chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, it's not rhema. It's logos. Yeah, so this is where... I'm going to pause Kong He for a second. We're going to demonstrate this fact from the, the Greek text. Take a look at the bigger context of Matthew chapter 13. We'll put some good sound biblical teaching in here. And then we'll ask, ask the question, is it true that rhema means a direct revelation from God and logos means the written word of God? Is that biblically true? If you know Greek, Koine Greek, is that the truth? The answer is no, but I'll show you how you can know this. And uh, and then we'll come back to Kong, put him back in context so that you can hear his claim regarding God was speaking to him, and clearly God wasn't. And so to prove that God wasn't talking to him, what we're going to do is we're going to go to Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to go to verses 20 and 21, and I'm going to show you what they say in the Greek so that we can establish the fact that God wasn't talking to Kong He, because I happen to have a degree in biblical languages. Anyway, um, here's what it says. Uh, so this is these are these are the words of Christ. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. The word for uh, the word for word here is not rhema, it's logos. In fact, um, uh, it, here's what it says: Hustas esten hatan lagon akuon. Yeah, the one who hears the logos of the word. So he said, God spoke to me. And the word for word in, in Matthew 13, 20 and 21 is rhema. 
No, it's not. Rhema does not appear in this passage. It's Logos. In in fact, verse 21, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the diaton logon, Logos, it's Logos, not Rhema. The, The word, because of the word, he immediately falls away. Yeah. Got a problem here. So Kong, he said that he, God was speaking to him and that the word for word in Matthew 13 is rhema when it's logos. He failed. That means he wasn't hearing from God. God wasn't telling him this. And that whatever he says after this that's related to this first point of his in the sermon is straight up false. It's not sound teaching. It's false teaching. So, yeah, that's kind of the important bit. Now, let's do a little bit of work here. So what do we do with uh, with Matthew chapter 13? And we're going to note there's a context for it because you'll note that in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13 is the chapter where Jesus makes a turn where he's no longer teaching openly, but he's teaching in parables. And this is an indirect reaction to what has, what was happening to him in chapter 12, and that was that he was being, you know, basically slandered and attacked, and the claims were that he was doing what he was doing by the power of the devil himself, by Beelzebub. So, uh, and we'll, we'll note this is our context. So Matthew 12, 22 says, a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus. He healed him so that the man spoke and saw, and all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of the demons, that this man casts out demons. And so Jesus knows their thoughts. He says, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided itself will stand. So, and you'll note then, in reaction to that, that by the time we get to chapter 13, Jesus switches it up, and Jesus begins to preach in parables. Now, if you've ever heard a vision-casting, purpose-driven, seeker-driven, attractional vision-casting leader-pastor type say, you know, we need to have uh, an entire sermon series in the summertime based upon popular uh, box office hits and movies. And you sit there and go, why would you do that? And he says, well, you know, because Jesus was the greatest communicator out there. He spoke in parables. He told stories. And the reason why he did that is so that people would really understand what he was saying. The fellow who says that doesn't know what he's talking about. The reason why Jesus said and spoke in parables was so that people would not understand him. It's true. How do I know? Because Jesus says so right here in chapter 13. Let's take a look at it, and we'll consider then Jesus' interpretation of the parable that he delivers at the beginning of Matthew 13. So it says this in Matthew 13, that same day, the day that he was accused of being Beelzebul, right? Uh, Jesus went out of the house, sat beside the sea. Great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat, sat down. The whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables. And here's parable number one. A sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. The birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns. Thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain, and some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And <laughs> here's the thing. Everyone sitting there was going, uh, uh, what? Yeah. There was no, amen, yeah, way to go, Jesus, yeah, you yeah, you tell him, Jesus. No, the, and you can tell this because what happens next is the par- is the disciples are like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" So the disciples came to Jesus and said to him, "Why do you speak to them in parables?" And he answered them, and listen to his answer: "To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven; to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the Uh, From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. 
Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they, they have closed, lest they should see with their uh, see, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. So the reason why Jesus spoke on, in parables is so that people would not understand him. Yep. But his followers will understand him because he teaches them how to understand the parables. So je- then Jesus says to his disciples, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people Long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And so here then the parable of the sower. And this is where Jesus gives his his own interpretation. And since he's the one who delivered the sermon, uh, the sermon in the parable, and he's the one who made up the parable, and he's God, I would argue kind of this way. Jesus' interpretation is the interpretation of that particular parable. To come up with an interpretation of your own that's wildly innovative or contrary or way different than what Jesus said, that would be just foolishness. I've seen far too many pastors and people preach on this text who have engaged in delivering foolishness, their own interpretations, rather than Christ's interpretation. So here's Jesus' explanation of what the parable of the sower and the different soils means. So when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, now here, here's, our, here's our Greek here. So pantas akuantas tan lagantes basileas, anyone, all who hear the logos, not rhema, logos, all who hear the word of the kingdom, okay? So you'll note then the word for word is not rhema. What is it? Logos, the word of the kingdom. This is not talking about a direct revelation that you're supposed to receive from God. In fact, you're going to hear Kong He say that Rhema means a direct revelation, and that apparently Matthew 13, 20, and 21 says Rhema, and it doesn't. And that that means that you're going to receive, that when you hear the Rhema, a vision for God that God gives you regarding your life and your purpose, that this is what you, 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 this is what this is talking about. That's not what Jesus is talking about at all. He's talking about the tan logantes basileas. He's talking about the word of the kingdom that comes to us through the preached word of God. By the way, not through some direct revelation or vision regarding your life. So when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word. Again, the word is logos, tan logon. Hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the logos, of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word. And again, the word is not rhema, it's logos. Choke the logos. And it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it. He, is, he indeed bears fruit, and, and it yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. So if you know your biblical languages, if you know Koine Greek, know how to work a Greek text and check it, then you will note that what Kong He said, God was speaking to him out of Matthew 13, 20, and 21, and he said that the word is rhema, it's not, it's logos. That proves right there, Kong He does not hear from God, and he is a false teacher and a manipulator of God's word. This is just a fact. And I would note that that is the bigger crime that Kong He has committed, continues to commit, and all the more reason why nobody should be listening to his sermons in City Harvest Church should not be posting any teaching from this fellow. But all that being said, I asked the question at the beginning of the video, have you ever heard somebody say, Rhema means direct revelation, Logos means the written word? 
that, that's not true in the Greek, and I'll show you how you can know this. And so we're going to take a look at a couple of passages, and let me see if I've got them. Here we go. So three passages in particular, and two of them are like parallels to each other. First text is 1 Peter 1, 22 through, what, 25 or 26, yeah, through 25. And we're going to note here that oftentimes in Koine Greek, rhema and logos are used synonymously. And like many words, the meaning of the word is going to be determined by the context. You know, for instance, I use this example often, but it kind of goes like this. If, If I say, tell me what the word up means. And off the top of your head, you kind of say, well, you're pointing in a direction. But then as you think about it, you recognize, well, up is used in kind of a different different ways in which it is used. And if you were to go to a dictionary, you'd note there are many different definitions of the word up. So, for instance, I can say I climbed up the mountain. And that's talking about the direction that I headed. I headed up in that general direction. But if I were to say I threw up, up means something different than climbing up a mountain. In that particular case, the definition is different, and the definition is determined by the context. Same with rhema, same with logos. have to look at the context, and it is not true that rhema means direct revelation from God, a vision that God wants to give you, or prophetic word, while well, logos means the written word. That's, that's not true. These words are oftentimes synonymous. They are used interchangeably in the biblical text, and this is an example. So here's what it says. 1 Peter 1, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding, and here's our first instance, word of God. And it's dia lagu zontas theu. And notice the word for word is not rhema, it's logos, right? Through the living and abiding word of God. Not talking about a direct revelation. The word of God here in verse 23 is what? Lagos. Okay? Lagos to Theu. Now, the, it continues. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls. But the word of the Lord, the remu ku, re, rema kuryu, uh, the rema kuryu, the rema of the Lord, remains forever. And so you'll note in this passage, the word of God the Lagutheu, and the word of the Lord, the Rema Kuryu, are used interchangeably. Rema and Lagas are used, you know, you can, you, you, they, they just are used interchangeably. You know, they mean the same thing. Neither of them are referring to a direct, you know, prophetic revelation that God's supposed to give you in your heart. Both of them are referring to the written word of God. So that's an example of Rema and logos being used interchangeably, like within the same breath, okay? That's that's a great example. Now, there is, and, and by the way, and this word is the good news that was preached to you, and so word here is rhema in the last part of verse 25. So logos, rhema, rhema, all of it being used synonymously and interchangeably. Now, if I were to ask you off the top of your head, you, you know about the, um, the, the armor of the Lord. What's the one offensive weapon that you have? And you'd say, my Bible, right, okay? The word of God is the sword. It's the, it's the, it's the offensive weapon that we have when we suit up with the armor of God. And, and people say, that's exactly what Ephesians chapter 6 says. And I would say, yeah, you're right, because that's what it's referring to. The Bible, the written word of God. So I would point this out to you, though. Those of you who've been taught that rhema means direct revelation from God, that um, it's weird because the the sword of the Lord is referred to as both rhema and logos. But in Ephesians 6, it's rhema, not logos. Let me show you. Uh, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. 
take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? Which is the word of God. And here our Greek is rhema theou. Rhema, the word of God. But I thought that's referring to the Bible. It is. (laughs) And you'll note that because it's referring to the Bible, clearly it's referring to the Bible. The word, if you were to go with, you know, Kenneth Hagin's false teaching on this, well, the rhema word should, you know, that 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 has to be talking about prophetic revelation, but here Rama is being used in talking about the written word of God, and here's our cross reference that even makes it even more painfully clear, is that in Hebrews four twelve, which again talks about the word of God being a sword, uh huh, that it uses then the word logos rather than Rama. So again, Rama and logos can be used interchangeably, and it is not true. Absolutely, patently false. That rhema, every time it shows up, means a direct vision, prophecy, revelation of God. That's not true. So Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God, the logos, halagos to theu. That's what it says in the Greek, halagos to theu. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and spirit of joy and tomorrow. This is a direct cross-reference to Ephesians 6. And logos and rhema are being used interchangeably in that concept. Both of these passages are talking about the written word of God. So there you go. Those those are just some passages that you can go to, and if you've ever studied Koine Greek or can translate a biblical text from the New Testament, then you will note that it's pretty common for rhema and logos to be used interchangeably. That's why these passages do that. So all of that being said, We've noted that what Kong He said about Matthew 13, 20, and 21, Rhema is not the word, it's Logos, not Rhema. Um, he claimed that you know, claimed this insight via direct revelation. And that didn't turn out to be true because God doesn't lie, and God does know Koine Greek really well, like uber fluently, like better than anybody on planet Earth. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, So you get the idea here. So let me back this up again just to be obnoxious. And uh, let's hear it in context as Kong He spins out the rest of this this teaching. And you can see this is a quintessential example of showing this man is not qualified to be a teacher by his doctrine and his moral failings, stealing and misusing $50 million from his church means that his name shouldn't appear nowhere on any City Harvest communication, website, podcast, or anything. It's just unbelievable. But, I mean, since apparently, you know, teaching false doctrine doesn't get you kicked off your your church's website, you know, and and now apparently, you know, misusing $50 million of your church's charitable giving and being convicted and thrown in prison for that, doesn't get you kicked off of your church's website either. This is weird. This is cult-like behavior, by the way. So let me back this up. Here we go. Listen again. Well, I knew this is not going to, to this, this cannot continue if I'm going to pastor and be who God wants me to be. So one day the Lord spoke to me out of Matthew chapter 13 from verse 20 to verse 21. No, he didn't. Listen to what God spoke to him. But he who received the seed in stony places, this is he who hears the word. Now, that word is rhema. That means... No, it's not. It's logos. I just showed everybody that from Matthew 13, 20, and 21. The vision, the revelation, and immediately... All right, going to back it up again. Listen again. But he who received the seed in stony places, this is he who hears the word. Now, that word is rhema. That means the vision, the revelation, and immediately receives it with joy. So when you get a vision for your life, when you get a revelation for God, from God, you get happy, you're excited, you have a future, a God-given, divine, ordained future, right? That's not what Matthew 13 says at all, and it uses the word logos, not rhema. I mean, this is a complete, utter fail. Complete, utter fail. And to make matters worse, he blasphemed God and God's name by saying that God was speaking directly to him regarding 
this passage and the rhema aspect of it. But the Greek word is logos. But verse 21, yet he has no root in himself. That means there's no root system. But endures only for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. The greater your vision, the greater the spiritual attacks. The <laughs> I mean, this is pathetic how far off he is. So note, you know, by not knowing that Logos is the word and by having a false doctrine regarding what rhema means and what Logos means in the Greek, there's no way to recover this sermon. He is off to the races. He's already careened off the cliff and he's heading into the abyss at this point while he's still preaching. But nothing he's saying is actually true. Nothing. He has no clue what a proper understanding of Matthew 13 would even look like because he, he, his, his direct revelations and his mis, misinformation about the word in Matthew uh, 13, 20, and 21 for word is, is wrong. It's getting in the way. Greater the word of God for your life, the more Satan will come and stand against you. Now, if you don't have a root... It's, it's just false. It's just absolutely false. Root system. Oh, if you don't have a good root system then. So you need to get a good root system when God gives you a direct revelation. A rhema word for your life. But the word that Jesus used was logos. And you're going to fall. You're going to stumble. You're going to get discouraged and give up. So the Lord spoke to me and said, Kong, you can't go on like this. Are you sure God was speaking to you? Because God should have been telling you, No, Kong, listen. Word for word in, in Matthew 13 is Lagos, not Rhema. You're totally wrong. Listen to me. If God's going to talk to you, why didn't he correct your false Greek? Your root system got to go deeper. Oh, so God was saying, listen, Kong, your, your root system's got to go deeper because of your direct Rhema word thingy. God didn't say that either, Kong. You're lying. So for two years, I began to meditate day and night, night and day. For two whole years, man, all he did was meditate. It's day and night, night and day. This sounds like more like the story of the Buddha than anything. I just uh, Were you sitting under a Bodhi tree? I just, I'm curious, you know? Rolling over in my mind. Rolling. Considering, pondering. Two whole years, man. Just, he, he hardly ate anything for, the, for whole, two whole years. Man. Remu uh, ruminating the word of God ruminating. Over, over and over, over, visualizing it, yeah. muttering to myself. Muttering. Were you drooling on yourself? God gave me a few scriptures. Did, did you experience enlightenment at the end of this? Mark 11, verse 22, 23. If I speak to the mountain and do not doubt in my heart, but believe that what I say shall be... So another verse out of context, which is a word of faith heresy move, by the way, taking Mark 11 out of context. Just saying. Be done, I will have whatever I say. I spoke every day to the mountain. Of every day you were speaking. Which mountain were you speaking to, Kong? You know, come to think of it, what I know about the topography of Singapore, I mean, that, I mean, it's pretty much on the coast, isn't it? So would you have to go inland a little bit in order to talk to the... Which mountain were you talking to exactly? Intimidation. I spoke. Oh, the mountain of intimidation. To fear. I spoke. You spoke to fear. To a sense of low self-confidence. I just spoke and spoke. Spoke to your sense of low self-confidence. Listen to me, low self-confidence. Hear my words. Spoke and just mutter against it. Muttered against it. This has nothing to do with Matthew 13. Nor does that really even have anything to do with Mark 11. But that's a whole other, whole other episode. Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. You know, it used to be when I stood on the stage, I couldn't look at people straight in the eye. I, I'm afraid of angry faces. It used to be. Maybe you were fearing that they could see you for the con man that you were. I'm I mean, just saying, that may, that's a possibility, right? When I prayed, I didn't feel my voice could travel. It just, boom, just fell on the floor. My voice couldn't travel. So I needed the sound people to up the volume, up the vo louder, louder for pastor. And I realized... I don't have the strength for my voice to travel. 
So I kept on meditating. Two years, two years. And two I whole years, two nonstop meditation. Felt my root system got deeper. So during that two years, his root system, he felt that it was just going deeper. What does a root system feel like? And deeper. Deeper, and deep- deeper, deeper. Deeper. Every day, every night as I meditated. Until suddenly one day, boom, it hit that the realm of the Holy Spirit. The oh, whole- so the root system, blammo, just hit what? It hit the realm of the Holy Spirit. What's that? Holy Spirit that's, that's on the inside. It, it, the root hit the realm of the Spirit, the spiritual yeah, dimension. Yeah. And out of my belly flowed rivers of water and life. It was, it was wow. It, it's like enlightenment, man. Yeah. Nirvana. Woo. Suddenly I found that my voice became thick. My prayer his voice was thick and stuff, and he had high self-esteem from then on. Came strong. Yeah. Suddenly, I found that when I spoke, there's authority. I found I'm not easily intimidated. I can look at angry faces, and it doesn't affect me. Right, like the angry faces in the crowd saying, "You stole our fifty million dollars, man." Like those kind of angry faces or like the angry face of the judge who said guilty off to prison with you like that. Yeah. Because, you know, because his root system hit the realm of the spirit. Yeah. As you can see, uh, nothing good can come of this sermon. And uh, it's just a mess. And you can't recover it because he's got a false doctrine regarding uh, Rhema and Logos, what it what the difference is. He's he's just objectively false about that and then to make matters worse you know he he claims god is talking to him and he's making up stories about his roots he felt that they went deeper and finally blammo hit the realm of the spirit all this is false teaching this guy is as phony as a three dollar bill and he's a convicted criminal he has no place in the body of christ to be teaching anybody anything he's not qualified either doctrinally or morally to be teaching the body of Christ. He's disqualified according to the biblical standards, a lot like Todd Bentley, but for different reasons. You get the idea. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Until tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.